This is the Global Broadcasting Service, serving remote outposts since 1928. Hi, everyone. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Caramba, we have something really big for you today. Welcome, foolish mortals. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. This is the DBC Pod with Phil Schoen and Jason Dodge. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's pod. This is show for the week of February 27th, 2023. This week we discuss Phil's uh, latest cruise. I mean, I don't know. Is it latest cruise or just your cruise? It just I mean, it was technically my latest cruise, but the last one was like five years ago. So. Yes, I guess it's really not latest as implying <laughs> multiple. Uh, we're going to compare and contrast Royal Caribbean to Disney Cruise Line. Our takes on Disney magic and our top three non-Disney vacations. So if you can't guess right now, there's going to be a theme to the show. <laughs> Um, and I'm also excited to go on to our DBC engagement from two weeks ago. We're going to talk about the new Villains Castle type of thing in the Magic Kingdom. Um, and also at the top of the show, I want to thank Zach for filling in last week. He did an yes. awesome job. Thanks, Zach. One of, the, one of his best shows ever. He's going to be chuckling. No hate mail, Zach. Just so you know, there was no hate mail. Nothing was received. <laughs> um, so you are safe. So first things first, Phil, what is going on in our Disney World this week? Yeah, there was quite a, a lot of news, some bigger than others. But first thing is that uh, Rock and Rolling Coaster has gone down for a multi-month refurbishment. Actually, Disney hasn't said exactly when it'll be up, just that it's down. Although this timing was good in that both elevators for Tower of Terror are back up now. So at least that's at full capacity. Um, but reading from a, a, an article from Blog Mickey, they mentioned they talked to a cast member who said it could take four to six months to complete. And when mm. looking at a couple of different work permits, they both are set to expire in like mid-September, which is interesting because normally if you just take out a work permit and don't specify an end date, it's good for a year. So the fact that they actually specified they expect it to be done by mid-September kind of gives us some time frame. One of them was with an electric company just doing kind of standard electric work. But another one is with a company, Dina Corporation, which has done work for Disney on Slinky Dog Dash, Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Rewind, and Tron Light Cycle Run. So speculation is that they're going to be doing at least some track work. So whether they're doing a free, a full track refurbishment or just partial, but just to kind of keep that in mind, because Disney hasn't said how far this will be closed down, but it seems like a fairly intensive uh, refurb. So if you're going over the summer, I wouldn't necessarily count on Rock and Roller Coaster being open when you go well just more uh large rides uh <laughs> not gonna be available. just taking out more capacity from uh, hollywood like studio that should be great yep um on the flip side and on the flip coast uh disney released uh, a little while ago they had put out an open casting call for a musical coming to disneyland resort now it has come out that what they are doing which is what some people speculated is they are going to do a musical version of rogers the musical which was in the hawkeye Disney Plus series was kind of featured and was sort of like a Broadway show about the Avengers. So they're going to do <laughs> what they're calling a short one act musical. Um, it says it's coming from a limited time. So I guess instead of being able to do it all, I can do this all day. I can do this for a limited time um, at Disney's California Adventure Park. So uh, they've been doing various musicals there. They've had a Frozen. They've done Aladdin um, where they're sort of like 30 to 45 minute type show. So not like a full musical, but more than just, you know, a little 10 minute thing. So I'm assuming this will be similar to that. And it's just kind of fun uh, that they're kind of incorporating something that people enjoyed from one of the Disney plus series to now have it sort of in live action 
Um, so you had put the question in here, Jason, of saying, would we want to see something like this at Walt Disney World? I definitely want to see more cool shows at Disney yeah. World. Um, I mean, I mean, are they allowed to have the show at Disney World? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know what the rules are if it's something that's like a parody of the Avengers. Like, because it's you can't not the mention. characters, right? It's not actual Captain America. It's a dude playing Captain America. Captain America. So I don't know where the musical. line is, but uh, we need to get know. our lawyers on this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely think it would be cool. I think whether it's Avengers themed or just something sort of more current and kind of high energy. I mean, I'm always advocating for something to go into where. They currently have Beauty and the Beast musical in Hollywood Studios, yep. and certainly having something Avengers themed or Marvel or whatever would definitely fit in Hollywood Studios. So I think that would be the spot to put it if, if they could. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing more like high production shows. Not not to beat up on Beauty and the Beast, it's not exactly a high production show like the um, the Lion King show or or, or, or Nemo at, right. at Animal Kingdom, excuse me. And um, but. I think something in either Epcot or Magic Kingdom would be great if they ever built that theater in Magic Kingdom. That'd be a good place to put it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, actually, and then it could happen out of the park entrance. You don't have the park ticket to get in, but you could pay fifty bucks to go watch the show or something else like that. Hey, Disney, there's an idea for you. That'd be interesting where they kind of separate the theater or like one level is for park guests and ones is out of park. That'd be interesting. Um, Next story, which I was hesitant to put in here, but a lot of people were really talking about it, is. There were these influencers that are, I guess, known as the Kelly fam. I guess they're big in the Disney space. They work with Disney and stuff like that. But they put out a video talking about how one of their their kids is really into thrill rides and stuff like that. But he didn't meet the height requirements for some of the rides at Walt Disney World. So what they did and showed in this video was they took like four pairs of shoes, cut the soles off of three of them Mm. and glued them all together. So the kid basically had like Herman Munster shoes so that he was now tall enough to ride. Well, obviously, the internet didn't take kindly to that and gave them a lot of hate their direction, you know, because obviously, you know, those height requirements aren't to annoy you they're for safety reasons, you know, yes. and putting, you know, cast members in a difficult spot. And it's just it's just a mess. And then uh, just today I saw they put out a video apologizing for it, although they didn't I should put apologize in air quotes because the only thing they seemed to really apologize for was they didn't realize how popular they were um, and that mm. the size of influence they have. They never said what they did was wrong or anything like that. Um, and they said their kid was fine. I don't know. Like I said, got a lot of people talking about it. Um, just don't do this. <laughs> like, no. I don't know. And it's just annoying when you see, you know, it's another thing that sort of gives like Disney fans a bad name and stuff like that. So, well, I mean, just, just from a engineering point of view, like restraints and safety is essentially built around an average weight for and size and body shape, I guess, or at least mm-hmm. body length. Yeah. And just because you have those, like what, what worst case scenario, what happens if the glue comes off and all of a sudden those things are done and you can't touch the floor anymore. And then they start bouncing around. Right. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of different things that could happen on thrill rides like this. And it's just a, it's cheating. B it's unsafe and C you're promoting bad behavior in the parks because you're an influencer. Whatever. Right. So, and like you said, poor cast members that have to kind of deal with that type of stuff. Which yep. is not cool. Um, speaking of some positive changes though, these uh, next two things were sort of mentioned before, but we now have uh, more dates about them. Um, it had been mentioned that annual pass holders will be able to start visiting parks at Walt Disney world every day after 2 PM without a reservation, except for magic kingdom on Saturday and Sundays. So pretty much, you know, if it's, you know, dinner time and you don't, you know, you want to go over to Epcot and you're local, you don't have to worry about making a reservation. You can just get in. Um, and that'll start, uh, officially on April 18th. 
Um, one thing to keep in mind, Disney was pretty adamant saying, you know, um, the theme park reservation system remains important to managing attendance in our parks, especially on busier days. So while they're making this change, this isn't like, okay, in two months now, they're just going to get rid of the park reservation system. This is uh, but I think this is a nice change for locals, especially because it's just, just one less thing you have to worry about. And if you're going to do a whole day there, most of the time, it's not a problem to get a park reservation um, day of, except for on real busy days. So, you know, it's nice not to have to worry about that. And like I said, you can go over and have dinner and stuff like that. So there, we'll probably see more of this sort of easing restrictions, um, but they're not getting rid of any of them. And one thing with this is obviously they don't have a park reservation, so they can't get a virtual queue for Cosmic Rewind or Tron or something like that. So it keeps them, you know, prevents that. It's not like mm-hmm. all the, you know, all the locals are going to show up at 2 p.m. and the, the line for Tron is going to be out the yeah. you know, out the park or anything like that. So. I, I'm like I, I, I like to change one. It gives annual pass folks um, a little little carrot, you know. After you know, I, I don't know abuse or anything <laughs> else like that. I mean, having to go to another park to tap in to go to another park at two at two p.m. was always very very silly. I'm glad they're finally changing this. This is excellent. Um, I, I, we we have both been on record that we don't really care about the park reservation system. It's never really hindered our vacation. Right. I mean, I, I mean, it, to me, I'm nowhere what park I'm going before I go down there. Um, but for people that are more spontaneous, like typically locals and annual pass holders, they kind of like to go down without a plan and just kind of do whatever they want that day. So um, this is this is quite good. At least you don't need a reservation. You can go to any park after two o'clock. And like you um, said, it's a good point too. With um, even if say they had made a reservation for Hollywood Studios and they decide, well, I'd just rather go to Magic Kingdom, they don't have to go to Hollywood Studios just to tap in and leave right away to mm-hmm. go to Magic Kingdom. They could go straight there at two p.m. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. The one other interesting thing is they have the technical ability to prevent them from going to one specific park after two o'clock, right? Yeah. So it gives you a little bit of uh, insight on how they can control things behind the scenes type of thing. So I think that's kind of interesting. And if I had to guess, I think that two o'clock time is going to be removed for hoppers very soon, or at least drop down to maybe like noon or lunchtime or something else like that. So I think that's the next big change for the reservation system that we might see in the coming months. Yeah. The other one that was rumored, I think Scott Gustin said that the rumor was that if you have a dated ticket, you won't also need to make a park reservation. It's sort of like, okay, it's for that, that park or that day, you know, they know how many dated tickets they've sold. um, So you won't need to make a park reservation as well, but, but we'll see. Yep. Um, And another one they had mentioned was, and this one will actually start a little sooner on March 20th, that if you buy the genie plus service for that's, you know, the day of that were that in question, uh, the photo pass for the attractions, those photos will be, in, uh, you'll be able to download those at no extra charge. So that basically is coming now with your Genie Plus Three payment. Um, it just obviously keep in mind, this doesn't include like regular photo pass things. So if you're at character meets or taking a picture in front of the castle or something like that, that's not included. 
these are just the rides, uh, the, the photos or videos they take while you're on rides, but it is for every ride. It's not just the rides that, you know, you're using Genie Plus for or whatever. It's for any ride. Yep. That's good. I like it. I mean, it's 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 an added benefit to Genie Plus. Yep. You have a question here. Does it change my view of the value of Genie Plus? Absolutely not. Um, because it's only a handful of rides in each park that, and if it, it's not guaranteed to work every time. I've certainly missed out on pictures from rides. I've certainly gotten other people's pictures from rides too. <laughs> For sure. So, I mean, it, it, I'm glad that they're adding some fluff to Genie Plus. I just hope they continue adding some value to it, especially for, I mean, we were, I was just talking about this on some other message board where it's good for Magic Kingdom. It's good for a half a day at Hollywood Studios. It's completely irrelevant for the other two parks. If you really, if you care about that money, it's, it's a waste of money. If you, you know, that's throwaway money to you. That's fine. It works. And it works yeah, really well. If you're being picky and choosy about where to spend your money, for sure. Absolutely. Um, in the last bit of news, there's been a lot of, you know, continued construction at the parks. You know, there's been a lot with uh, both uh, the work on Tiana's Bayou Adventure. You're seeing more and more work being done with that. They're taking out some of the grass and plantings on that. You're seeing more Moana Journey of Water coming to life. Uh, I believe the DVC at the Poly has gone vertical. You can see the elevator shafts going up. And the latest thing that we're seeing now is that they're doing a new color scheme to the paint on Space Mountain. It used to be white on top and sort of this very light blue at the bottom. Mm -hmm. That blue is now changing to a tan color. Um, I guess this is to fit in more with the scheme of, I guess the contemporary has some of that. And then I guess with Tron and stuff like that, I don't know. I guess I have to see it all done, but um, just interesting that it's just different. And and like you were telling me beforehand, I guess a lot of people on the internet are complaining about it or whatever. I mean, they would complain about anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I only brought this up because I want to talk about more things broadly of what's happening. I mean, like, the beige looks fine. I don't understand why it's beige, but I'm good with it. I'm, I'm, I just, I'm just happy the whole thing's painted, which is yeah. nice. Yep, I dig that. Um, another thing I, I just that just comes to mind is I noticed there was a picture taken today. I was on WW, WDW Magic Forums, and um, all the briars are down from uh, Splash Mountain, which, which I think is pretty cool. So they're making very fast progress on a lot of these things like rock and roller coasters going down splash mountain is like they're actively work. you can see day-to-day kind of changes whereas at epcot and tron for the last 100 years <laughs> we basically would wouldn't get daily updates on on construction right but i think it's really cool that we're getting to see daily upgrades or uh to the, all the different parts of the park that are going through stuff right now so i hope maybe disney learned their lesson about the speed of construction um the journey of water seems to be coming along very nicely very quickly um i'm just waiting for them to finally have pathways cross that that are kind of like open i think they're going to probably if i had to guess phil tell me if i'm crazy that they've already we've already seen pictures of like just uh doing some concrete work kind of through that area i wouldn't be surprised if there was a pathway that cuts across that that'll be open to the public to walk through before everything else opens up just to allow people to kind of go from like living with the land to go over to guardians without having to go all the way around the other side with spaceship earth or anything else like that. I don't know. Just thinking. Yeah. I, I guess it depends on the order of when things are going to open between journey of water and then the central plaza that will have the new statue and stuff like dreamers point, I guess it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. Like if that can, if, if they can do something like that, that would be open for a few months beforehand, then great, but they might just do it all at once. I don't know. Yeah. I guess we'll, we'll, see. See. we'll see. And that'll do it for the news this week. And so, 
What was that, Phil? I was going to say, and that takes us to our takes that I know you listed this. So I was poorly transitioning it over to you. Oh, well, I mean, you just got back from vacations. So I can't blame <laughs> you for that poor transition. Okay, so our takes this week, because um, you went on a um, fairly expensive, uh, well, I don't know, expensive tr- cruise, right? Cruises aren't mm-hmm. cheap, right? It's not right. like a weekend at the beach somewhere and you're staying at a Motel 6. Um, so, you know, my question is like, so... We all go to Disney quite often. We're spending a lot of money to go to Disney. Disney trip is going to be far more expensive than any uh, most other vacations that are out there, like your cruise compared to a Disney cruise line. Right. Half the cost or, or whatever it might be. Um, so I wanted to do our takes, overrated, properly or underrated reasons why we keep going back to Disney. Right. And there's going to be a theme of – us and taking our families other places other than Disney, and it's mostly impacted by cost, right? So mm-hmm. um, these things are, at least that we've talked about in the last couple months, is the level of cost that overrides Disney magic, right? So let's talk about the reasons why we go and what reasons we think are not reasons why we go. Like, so let's, let's start balancing that out. We'll go one by one, as we usually do, Phil. Okay. Uh, we'll start with overrated. Um, so the question is, what keeps you coming back to Disney? And for me, the overrated version is nostalgia. Not that the nostalgia has an impact on you, what ha- makes you have fun at Disney, but I think a lot of people go because, oh, I have nostalgia. It's going to be a great trip. I don't think that's what um, is a good reason to go just because you want nostalgia, right? And people always talk about memories and everything else like that. But every time you go, you make new memories. And every time you go, if the trip is not as good as you thought it was or the tr- something happened or it was just maybe rainy one day, you're not getting nostalgia. You're now concerned because you can't do the things that are fun when you're down there, right? So you're not having perfect weather, that type of thing. So I think nostalgia is completely overrated about what, why people go back purposefully for nostalgia, if that makes sense to you, Phil. It does. Yeah. Like the idea of saying like, because we have all these great memories of the past, that's the, you know, the main reason we're going down. And I think also keep in mind when you look backwards, you kind of tend to focus on probably the, all the good and maybe forget some of the right. negative aspects and stuff like that. Um, and you're trying to always like, I guess we talk about like chasing the dragon a little bit with some of that. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I mean, I, I don't, I think people always focus on nostalgia, but I don't think that's the real reason why. A lot of them go. We'll find out why. So what, what's your overrated reason for what keeps you coming back? So I put it sort of in quotes as we, you know, people that's like, well, we always go to Disney. Like this is our annual trip. Let's plan, you know, we go every August or whatever it is. And we just did the last one. Then let's plan the next one and stuff. And not to say that's a, a bad reason to go. And if you're consciously doing that because, hey, we want to go every year until the kids get too old or to map how they grow every year, that's fine. But I think sometimes people just, just do it because they always do it. They don't even think like, do we actually really want to do it next yeah. year? Or should we consider something else or whatever? And so I, I think it's just that sort of um, assumption that you're always going to go every year without thinking about making it an active decision you're doing to actually pick Disney versus other things. And I think this is a good point because I think both of our overrateds are married almost. Yeah. Both sides of the same coin type of thing. Because what you said was key. It content, it, it, nostalgia or we always go may blind you to other opportunities and other experiences that you could be having with your family that create different types of nostalgia, different type of things that you might be like, oh, this is really great. It's half the cost. Why didn't we think about this sooner? It's Disney can't be, does not necessarily have to be the only trip you ever go on type of thing. There's other vacations. Okay. So properly rated, these are great reasons why people always come back. And I think this is the obvious one, (laughs) Phil. 
And mine is attractions and experiences because what creates nostalgia? What creates the fun? It's going on awesome rides all day long. You're living square for a week. You're living square in the middle of four awesome parks and with different experiences, whether they're shows or meals or, you know, obviously the attractions. That's the reason why we go. I mean, there's very little amount of people that go not to go to the parks, right? There's a lot of DVC folks that go down and just kind of have like a resort stay. I know my sister does that quite often. She's she's going on a Disney cruise shortly, and she's spending um, like a four or five days at the Riviera to use her DVC points. So there's a lot of people. There's some people that do it, but the vast majority of people go for attractions and experiences. And that's you know that's the main draw, right? So if yep. everything went down. What's <laughs> going to Disney World after that point? So I think I think that was a fairly obvious one, and, and I think everybody there, you know, those attractions are properly rated because they're great. Yep. Uh, my properly rated one is is also sort of related to attractions and experiences, but specifically thinking about ones you've done in the past and now wanting your kids to experience them or your grandkids, you know. Um, so the you know, I was thinking specifically when we went down, you know, a few trips ago when Epcot Forever was playing and my kids got mm-hmm. to hear all those classic Epcot music from attractions that they never got to experience, but I got to and seeing like them enjoy that and kind of getting to share that part of my past with them was like pretty cool, I thought. So I think having those things like I love doing this as a kid, I want to see my kids experience that or seeing the look on your, your kids faces or your grandkids case. I think everyone thinks of that, you know, they know, like, I can't, you know, it's great going as an adult. I can't wait to take my kids there and stuff like that. I think um, for the most part, people look forward to that and it's a great reason to go. And so I think it's properly rated. There is a fine line between yours, which I'm going to deem as a shared experience. You want to share the experience with your kids and nostalgia. Yeah. Right. The way you preface it is you are future looking. You want to bring somebody new into the experience and view it through their eyes. Versus always looking backwards and trying to recapture some memory you know, yeah, as a kid. For sure. You know, exactly. So I, I like I like how you differentiated those two. That's that's good. So my underrated one, and, and granted it's not really underrated. I think people um, know about this one and, and experience it constantly and purposefully. I just don't think people put this above like as a number one reason to keep going back. And that, my, mine is underrated is sights, sounds, and smells, right? It's the ambiance. It's, it's, you know, you walk into Main Street and you hear that music, right? You walk past pirates and you smell the water coming out of it. You know, you, you smell the churros or, you know, you, you're walking through the world showcase and you hear the drummers in Japan. Like it, those are things, I mean, this is closely tied to nostalgia because it, tr- it triggers things. But it also, for a lot of people that are Disney fans, what's big about Disney is, you know, the sights and smells and, and sounds of everything. Just being there is just cathartic. It's relaxing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's joyful. And that's a thing that's happening to you in the present, right? It's, I mean, some people, sure, it triggers nostalgia, which is fine. But I think for a lot of people, it's the moment of just being there, which is very therapeutic for a lot of people. And... While this might seem like an obvious thing, like the, how is that underrated? Very little people talk about going just for the sounds and the smells and stuff like that. They, they always talk about attractions and experiences and spending time with their family and the vacation aspect and whatever. But I think the underlying thing is all those little kind of details that kind of make, what make Disney special, I think. And I think people yeah. underrate that significantly. Yeah, I think that's also one of those things that's harder to explain to people who haven't been 
you know, when you come back and you're yep. talking to your neighbors and say like, how it was, how was it? You're like, oh, well, you know, the smell of this and the, you know, that's no. not the first thing you're going to mention, but that is something that those types of things separate Disney from other places. Well, you got to remember sure. the, the question here is what keeps you coming, what right. keeps you coming back? So it's yep. implied that you've been there once or twice already. And why do you keep going? And I think this triggers a lot of things that make mm. people happy when they go there. Okay, so what is your underrated reason that? Yeah, so my underrated thing is that there's always new things you can do and try. I mean, like our last trip down to Walt Disney World, we did that tour at Animal Kingdom and stuff like that. That there's, it isn't just about going back and going to the same restaurants and writing the same things that you've done year after year after year. There's always new things, whether it's something new Disney built or just things you haven't done because you can't do it all in one trip or five trips, right? You know, so I think sometimes people focus so much on re you know doing again the things they loved the last time they went or the the past times they don't focus as much on getting to do things they've never done before at Walt Disney. And I, I want to throw one other thing. It's maybe let's toss out new things. Let's put in things that you wish you had done but you didn't have time to do. Right. Like I'll give you a perfect example. I had two Disney World vacations last year. It's beyond nutty for me to think that I <laughs> did that, right? And you know, my wife and I went down for four days. Then we went down for a week with the whole family. And I still do not get on living with the land as, as you know, your wife might kill me because of that. <laughs> um, I didn't get to do it because it just you just run out of time. Yeah. Right. You know, like we had an Epcot day in our last trip and we were going to take a, a break in the middle of the day, go back, swim, do whatever. But the way things kind of turned out, all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, well, we got dinner reservations in three hours. We're not going to go back and come, whatever. Let's go do this. And then one thing leads to another. It's like, oh, but I really wanted to go into the land pavilion. Oh, I really wanted to go here. And you just like, you just ran out of time. And as, as good as anybody is about planning, you know, once you get past those couple tiered things of what you, what, what's important for you to do, those tertiary experiences that you definitely want to get to kind of sometimes fall by the wayside. So, um, yeah, I mean, underrated is going back. Like, I definitely need to go back to get on living with land. It's been five years since I've been on, or yeah. whatever it might be. So, I, I definitely um, want to put that on top of the new things. Like, you got to go back for Tron, or the rebirth of Happily Ever After, or all the other stuff that's coming. Right. So, um, that's interesting. I am going to do the reminder. Okay. Or our social media. I did this last week, and I did a terrible job. So, I need to <laughs> redeem yourself. Redeem myself. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and our YouTube channel, all at the DBC Pod. We're no longer on Twitter, excuse me, on TikTok. So we kind of dropped that off the thing. Make sure you get on Discord. I think we had a new member that accidentally deleted their account or something else. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Um, so we're not going to put that on here, but Discord is where all the fun stuff happens. We've got um, a, a, a collection of cast members that are anonymous that are on there, and you can always ask questions. They're always kind of sometimes giving us tips and hints about what's happening in the parks just that day. So you get some really cool insight. It's it's rather mundane things. It's not like secret hidden rumors of like what's being built, but it's just like, oh, by the way, this is showing up in the stores today. and that, that type of thing. So it's a lot of cool stuff like that. Um, moving on to the Disney Comeback Index. I'm stealing Phil's job here, so don't mind Go me. For it, yeah. uh, we went from 92.95 to 93.32, and that value of a third of a point is Enchanted Tales with Bell that were, was updated just a couple of days ago. Very excited about that. And um, how did I do, Phil? I think Good. you did well, other than uh, call, mixing up TikTok and Twitter. But no, we're definitely uh, well, still on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, did you post? You posted pictures. Did you post pictures on Twitter from your vacation? I, I put a couple. Discord? I can't remember. Uh, I 
put um I did a couple things on Twitter. Um and then I think I posted one or two on Discord just to make people jealous, but um. <laughs> it definitely worked. Seeing the uh the beverages that you were drinking at different times of the day just made me jealous. I'm sitting around working and doing <laughs> Um all right, so we're gonna go to the topic of today, which is your cruise. You framed it your 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 cruise versus Disney. Um Give us you, – you've got a whole bunch of things. We're going to yep. run through them. But let's preface this by saying um, what companies you go with and um, research. Because I know we talked about this couple, many months ago when you were yep. going through the booking process. Who did you book with and why did you not book with Disney? And then we'll get through your trip. Yep. So this happened uh, like pretty much a year ago from this point. We had just gotten back from our, our Orlando trip going over – President's week in February, which is when my kids and a lot of kids in the Northeast have that week off for winter break. And we just really like the idea of getting somewhere warm <laughs> in mid-February. Mm-hmm. And so we were looking for different things to do. Problem is everybody wants to do that then. So a lot of places are really expensive that week. So, we're, you know, when we were looking at all-inclusive resorts or something like that, we kind of said, well, let's look at doing a cruise. We had done a Disney cruise back in, I think it was 2018, so about five years ago. And so we said, well, maybe we could do a, a Disney cruise instead. And we started pricing things out and it was a lot of money for, for, you know, for us to go on a Disney cruise for a week, especially, you know, we're a family of five, so we don't fit in, you know, all the rooms and stuff like that. So then we said, well, let's look at different cruise lines. And I have to admit their marketing is very good that whenever the commercials for Royal Caribbean come on and they show their private Island and stuff like that, my kids are like, can we go on that ship? Can we yeah, go there? Right. So I was like, well, let's price that out. And not to say it was cheap, um, but we were able to do a seven night on the Royal Caribbean Symphony of the Seas, which is one of their newest ships, for less than it would have been for us to do four nights on the Disney Wish. How, so, can you give me a percentage less if we don't want to reveal the uh, uh Well, not once we added in the dining package, it probably wasn't too much less, but it was probably, you know, it was five hundred to a thousand dollars less for us to do seven days on this versus four days on the wish. So I basically worded to the kids, it's like would you rather do three or four days on a Disney cruise or seven days on Royal Caribbean, you know, seven nights. And they all without hesitation said, we want to do seven, seven nights on Royal Caribbean symphony of the seas. So, I mean, said, why do we do this instead of a Disney cruise? Honestly, cost was the biggest reason. And I think we did want to just check it out because my kids are getting a little bit older and as great as the Disney cruise is, you know, it seemed to have less things geared maybe for teenagers and stuff like that, or, or at least other cruise lines seem to be, targeting that group a little bit more and so I was okay. like, well, as the kids get older why don't we try this out and see what we think so um yeah cost was probably number one but also just thinking of you know as maybe they're aging out of some of the disney activities um let's let's see how that goes okay so um i'm gonna do some things that sort of compare them to disney cruise line just because i think our listeners probably have more exposure or c- connection to that um, this is a large ship. <laughs> um, when we booked it, it was the largest ship in the world. Royal Caribbean since has come out with a new one that's slightly larger, but just to give an idea, it has a max capacity of 6,680 guests, almost, you know, pushing 7,000 guests with over 2000 crew members. Just to give you an idea, the, the first Disney ships, the wonder and the magic, they're around 2,400 guests. And then the wish, uh, dream and fantasy are about 4,000. So, you know, you're talking about 50% more than on the Wish Dreamer Fantasy. Let me ask you a question. Now, with that, I've never done a cruise before. Yeah. So, with the guest capacity at that number, does that make the ship feel crowded at all? Or So, I would say, kind of like at, at Disney, at spots it could feel crowded. 
but there's so much to do on the ship and the ship itself is so big that there was never an issue getting away from people or finding spots mm. that weren't that crowded. So yeah, you know, if you got, if you went in the morning to try to get a pool chair at a great spot, they were all taken, you know, that sort of thing. And there'd be just tons of people by the pool. But if you maybe went a little further away, you could find a chair, no problem and stuff like that. So it, you know, there would be, you know, sometimes at the buffet where it'd be a little busy and stuff like that. But overall the ship handles the the capacity well. Okay. Um, my thoughts on the ship overall, it is a newer ship. Um, I'm, I will caveat this. I haven't been on the Disney Wish, which is kind of a more modern style than the other four ships uh, in the Disney fleet. This one definitely felt much more modern, um, had a lot more things to do. A lot of big, var- the big word that I always, I left this is there's way more variety of things to do on this cruise than there was on a Disney cruise ship. Well, like, what, good. Let's let's stop there. What are some of the things that you can do on this cruise compared to the Disney cruise? Like, what, just where the, do they overlap? What's different? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of the traditional cruise things, you know, from napkin folding and trivia and stuff like that. Um, but there was like every different age group was covered, so it wasn't just like this type of trivia. There would be like five different types of trivia each day, whether it was like around Marvel or Star Wars or you know just general trivia or whatever. Then there were tons of activities. There's an ice skating rink on it, rock climbing walls, flow riders, uh, zip line on it, min- a full miniature golf course. Like there's oh, wow. just so many things to do. And even just in the entertainment, and I'll get to entertainment specifically, but later, but there was, you know, so many different styles of music. It wasn't just like, oh, there's an entertainer, you know, piano player doing something. It's like, yeah, there were piano players, but then there was Caribbean bands playing and hmm. DJs doing rock music and, you know, all, all just everything had a variety. And then uh, once we got into the food, so many different options for types of food versus where I felt on the Disney Cruise Line. Yeah, there was some variety, but it felt more, I don't know, more toward targeting the same demographic than I felt on Royal mm-hmm. Caribbean, which was which was a, a little bit more broader in scope in the types of things that they offered. Is that just like different like flavors of things? Like you had like... I don't know, like Indian, Chinese, Italian, like that type of thing, like a Tusker house versus like a, you know. Yeah, some of it's that, but then you had some that were, you know, more like like fancier and then some that were more casual, some that were like a, a seafood place, but it looked like a seafood place you would find in New England or, hmm. you know, they had an Italian place that was, um, you know, created with by the British uh, chef Jamie Oliver. And so like it had that and like it had a Johnny Rockets, it had. You know, all sorts of different things that I think everybody could find something that would appeal to them. Theming-wise and food-wise, it seems like there's some really cool theming in some of the restaurants. Absolutely, yeah. So theming-wise, for sure. um, We went to one of the restaurants we went to. was called Wonderland, which was Alice in Wonderland themed. Mm -hmm. And they had super creative foods, you know, know, the molecular gastronomy and stuff. But they had a character who played the Mad Hatter who came out to the tables and things like that. So, you know, it wasn't just like, okay, well, this place has this type of food. This, You know, they had a... We got sushi. They have a hibachi tables on the, the ship and stuff like that. So pretty much any type of food or entertainment you're looking for, there was an option for it. Um, That's interesting. Now, the, there were not to say everything was perfect. Um, some things that I, I disliked a little bit more than around uh, Disney, there there is a casino on it. So one thing that's unique to Disney Cruise Line is there's no casinos. Yet. Not that I mind a casino, but there's smoking allowed in at least part of the casino. And the entrance to it happened to be sort of near where you had to go to the main dining room. So you kind of always had that smoke smell when you're trying to go Mm. into the dining room. Um, In the main promenade area that they call it is where all the shopping is, which great people like to shop, but it felt like they always had people out like 
with like sales for perfume or bag, like you kind of, you know, when you go through the front of a department store and everyone's trying right. to like, it had a little bit of that feel. So there were some things that I felt like you didn't have any of that on a Disney cruise line. It felt less pressure from that standpoint. So there were definitely some things I wasn't crazy about. Um, but overall, I, I thought the ship was really, really impressive. Well, that's interesting. I mean, like I, I don't, I mean, when I picture Disney cruise line, I, feel, I picture it's just like it's a resort on water. But now when you're talking about your cruise line, it seems like, at least in the shopping areas, it seems like it's like um, you know, like a flea market almost where people are. are yeah, I mean, that's probably a little bit a little bit stronger than a flea market. But there, the, I mean, the central area did feel like a mall almost. There's all these different stores and all these different restaurants. and hmm. um, But they also had things going on. They did parades in that area and stuff oh, like that's that. Cool. So, so there's a lot to it. Well, you, you have a line here about dining um, and, and, and basically – how you get on the what what is what is mdr and specialty yeah. dining sure so mdr is their main dining room so they have one main dining room which is kind of the more traditional dining experience you would have on a cruise ship in this in on this ship it was three stories um to fit enough people um but then they also had a number of specialty dining now the the main dining room is included specialty dining you had to pay extra just like if you're on a disney ship and you wanted to go to eat at paolo you would have to pay extra it's just there's a lot more of those extra charge restaurants on the ship, but you could buy a dining package, which is what my wife and I did. And that made it, I mean, it was only a couple hundred dollars extra for us to go. And then we could eat wherever we wanted. And some of these were pretty high end, you know, type restaurants and you can okay. eat as much as you want and stuff like that. I would say, whereas a difference on Disney, they do a rotational dining, which is sort of unique to Disney cruise line where they have three equivalents of the main dining room each different themed and you kind of rotate which one you go to each night and your wait staff comes with you. I really like that concept and you got to experience, you know, on the wish now it's, you know, it's the 1923 restaurant, which is kind of themed to the history of Walt and stuff. Uh, the frozen restaurant, which has the, the, the dinner show and then the Marvel restaurant. So those are really cool experiences, or at least they, they appear to be. Um, and that's part of your, your included package. And like the, you know, we went on, on our Disney cruise, they had like a, a princess and the frog themed one, which was really highly themed with entertainment and stuff like that. So I think if you're only comparing main dining, like what's included Disney wins, but when you factor in all the specialty dining at not that much extra cost, there's just so much more variety. And we had some just incredible meals, even compared to like what you would have on land. Um, and then also some of the quick service, there are just more of them on the Royal Caribbean. You know, there was a place to get pizza that was open to like three in the morning. There was really good uh, Mexican place, like just fast casual, grab it and go go back to the pool that had really good food and things like that, um, that I found a little bit more, more options and a little bit better than at Disney. So, you know, uh, it's a little bit of a caveat that I think if you, if you include the specialty dining, I, th I thought the Royal Caribbean was better. If you don't, then it was probably Disney. Would win. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, I mean, it seems like there's pros and cons to either one. Yep. Um, uh, entertainment is, I think a big thing for people when they go on cruises. And I wanted to mention about quantity and also quality. Obviously when you're going to Disney ship, there's going to be amazing entertainment and there's going to be unique entertainment. Obviously there's no Disney character meet and greets on the Royal Caribbean ship. So obviously Disney wins on that one. Um, but I was surprised that the quality of like the main theater shows on the Royal Caribbean one, um, kind of the main show they did was a, a production of Hairspray. Honestly, oh. it was as good as anything I've ever seen Disney do. 
like the quality of the production, the set design, the cast was, it was like Broadway quality. Um, and they also did a couple different types of shows. They had a show called Hero that was out in their aqua theater, which is like a water theater that was like a mix of like hip hop and martial arts and Cirque du Soleil and high diving. It was really unique and incredibly well done. I don't, you know, I haven't seen anything like that on Disney. So I was, I was really surprised by the quality of the entertainment. And then I mentioned before kind of the, the quantity and the variety of it. It's so much live music all over the ship. And um, I was really impressed by it. So that was one thing going in. I was like, I don't know. I'm used to kind of Disney quality productions. And if anything, I thought Royal Kirby was better. Than you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because we're, we're talking about like what brings us back to Disney over and over and over again. I find it very interesting that a lot of people think like always go to Disney. Everybody else is going to be inferior. Yeah. No, no, no. I think a lot of companies have nailed down what good entertainment is. And it's just that, you know, when you keep going to Disney, you fail to experience other things mm -hmm. or because Disney is so expensive, your other like maybe second vacation or a weekend getaway is less expensive. Exactly. Yeah. So you're not going to the best quality places. But um, again, there, I, I like seeing different options and kind of opening up people's eyes that Disney's not basically the only thing out there, which is interesting. Exactly. Yep. Um, next thing I want to mention is both companies and most cruise lines now have their own private islands. And one of the, our crews that one of the stops was at the Royal Caribbean's private island, which they call, well, they have two stops. This one was called Perfect Day at Coco Cay. Compared to Castaway Cay, which is where the Disney, the Disney's private island. This was another one where I was like, I'm not a huge beach person. Before we went to Castaway Cay on the Disney cruise line, I was like, I don't know. I mean, I'll go there. I'll sit there for, I was blown away. Just like, it's like, what in your mind a perfect tropical paradise is, is basically what that island was. Hmm. So I was like blown. I would enjoy that way more than I thought I would. And I was like, okay, well, nothing will compare to that. Perfect at Coco Cay really compared well. I mean, it was just as beautiful. And again, there was more to do on it. They had three different main beach areas and they have a pool area in the big, in the middle of it, which is the largest pool in the Caribbean. Huh. That, that's just ginormous. They have this huge swim up bar in it. They have a DJ playing music in the pool. Like there's a beach area where there's all these beach games, you know, there's basketball courts and ping pong and all these sorts of things. They have a floating bar out, you know, there's just a million things to do. And the food was better than at the Disney Island. So I was, you know, that was another one where I was like, I don't know if this is going to live up to Disney's and, and it really did. I was pretty impressed by huh. it. Very cool. The one negative to their private island, and this will tie into my next point, is on Disney's private island, they had a kids club like on the island where you could drop your kids off and they would have fun with all their friends on the island. Uh, Royal Caribbean did not have that on their island. So you could leave the kids on the kids club on the ship, but if they were with you on the island, they had to stay with you on the island. Ah. Speaking of kids clubs, that was obviously a big thing. One of the best of parts of a Disney cruise is the kids clubs. My kids loved the kids club. They did not want to leave. They would stay there 24 seven if they could. Um, the kids clubs on Royal Caribbean, there's no way to hide it are not as high end as the ones on like the, just the facilities on the Disney one were super impressive. That isn't to say they're not good. That isn't to say my, my kids loved it. I mean, many nights I was picking my kids up, the regular session ends at 10 p.m. Kids were pleading with me to stay for the late night session. They did not want to leave. <laughs> like they made friends. They had an absolute blast. Um, so if you're worried about that, like, oh, I don't know. Like, are my kids going to like the non-Disney kids club? They will have a blast. But it's not as high end as the Disney one. But they still have 
They had a separate room with, where they did science experiments. They had a separate room where they did like art classes. They had a theater just for the kids and stuff like that. So there's tons of stuff to do. It just wasn't as impressive as the kids club on the, the Disney Cruise Line. You can't have everything. Um, and they do also have, I think, where they might even be better than the Disney one is the teen stuff. They have a whole teen club and then they have a separate nightclub that's only open at night and only for teens and stuff like that. So as the kids get a little bit older, I think there's even more for them to do. Um, on the Royal Caribbean line. That seems dangerous to send teenagers off to a teen club that, with, on Super That scares yeah. me as well, a honestly, father was, of a 10-year-old. <laughs> that was the one thing that kind of freaked me out a little bit because as we're signing up the kids, my she, she was 13. She turned 14 on the on the cruise. She has free reign of the ship. Like, there's nothing stopping her from going. I mean, we could lock her in the room, I guess, or something like that. But like, <laughs> it's not like you check them into the teen club. They can go come and go as they want. Um, and my son, who he'll be 12 next year, he'll he'll be in that group as well. And I'm like, I don't know about him like, yeah, wandering yeah. around the, the ship and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, so that, that's definitely a, a little bit interesting. But I don't know. There's so much to do, and there's there's so many staff and everybody watching them. I'm not I'm not too worried. You just make sure they know where the room is and where to go and stuff like that. But it was definitely something to get used to as you're, I guess, with everything with my kids since they're getting a little bit older. Is balancing the freedom with with a little bit of control yes um and that that'll lead me to the last separate point i wanted to talk about which was around the staff one of the things that gets talked a lot about is how great the cast members are on disney cruise line even as you know some people have started to say oh service at walt disney world is going down blah 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 but it's still really good at, at, at disney cruise line like it's what it used to be like at walt disney world or whatever so i was a little you know how is it is that going to be the case? Am I going to notice that the staff maybe on Royal Caribbean aren't as good? And I would say they were close, but if I, I would give the nod to Disney, I think they just are a little bit above and beyond and everybody on Disney, you know, has a smile on their face and would go above and beyond and say hi to you. We had some great, like our room steward. She was the sweetest person like I've ever met and stuff. Um, but we also encountered some people who maybe just, you know, wouldn't say hi, would just walk past doing their job, that sort of thing. And we saw one time when like a manager was talking to somebody who, who reported to him and it was kind of one of those conversations, like you probably should have had this, you know, Disney would term it, you know, backstage versus on stage type thing. Yeah. Um, but that's like, say, you know, if, if we're rating it out of 10, like Disney's like a 9.9 out of 10 and Royal Caribbean would be like a nine out of 10. It's still really good. They were great. Just not quite as good on Disney. So an extra notch above. Yeah, exactly. So getting to kind of my final thoughts, you know, I said, are we converts or are we rushing back to Disney cruise line? I think there's a place for both. I think there are some things that Disney does do a little bit better and a little bit different. And if you're, there is a value to that. You just need to decide how much value you put on those things. Um, and what I also would be the top one or two things that would have cruise line stands above the Norwegian. Uh, product. Oh, you mean the Royal Caribbean? Um, it would be Royal, Royal Caribbean. Excuse I, me. I yeah. think just that Disney touch with the staff is noticeable. Again, it's not that Royal Caribbean was bad. It's just above and beyond on Disney, and just those extra little things, like even like cleanliness. Like not it, everything was very clean on the Royal Caribbean, but I felt like on Disney they were like, like really on top of people. Like, no, you cannot go into the buffet until you wash your hands. Like, you cannot like even going into the main dining room. They handed out like a Clorox wipes to use and stuff like that. Here, there was stuff available everywhere. And like getting into the buffet, they would be like, okay, you have to wash your hands and they'd hand washing stations. But people, you know, 10% of people would just walk past it. 
Whereas I feel like on Disney, they like wouldn't let you do that. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? So just little things like that, um, I I think kind of jumped out at me as like, okay, I get, you know, why people might prefer, prefer Disney. And I think that sort of thing. So fair. I think that, you know, so I think the big takeaway for me is there's a place for Disney cruise line. I could see us doing one again, maybe a shorter one as like part of a larger vacation. Um, but just a week long Disney cruise is, is just so pricey. I'm just not sure if we could ever do it again. And just want to encourage people that are maybe have only done Disney and are worried about doing something else, like give it a shot. You'd be surprised how much, you know, how, like you said, if you only experience Disney, you don't really know what else is out there. Yeah. Other things have a lot to offer as well. And, you know, if you're looking at that price difference, you know, you can still have, you know, just because it's 30 to 40 to 50% cheaper, it's not going to be, 30 to 40, 50%, you know, less of an experience. In some ways, it was even a better experience. That's good. I mean, I'm glad that, uh, that anybody that's in the, you know, the, I mean, you're listening to the show. You're an Uber Disney fan, right? So it's nice to kind of get out of that bubble. Yeah. Which brings us to our top three, unless you had any <laughs> other final thoughts. No, no, I think, I think that's good. Um, obviously, if anybody has anything else they want to ask me, if they have any other questions, things I didn't get to, um, please hit us up on social media or on Discord. Happy to cover anything. Nice. So our top three is our top three non-Disney <laughs> vacations, right? So I kind of preface this to things that either we want to do or have done. It could be anything, right? So things to do with your family um, or yourself or with, a, with just a partner um, that are non-Disney related. Um, I think we'll just go list our three yep. and then you listen to Sounds right? good. We'll go back and forth. Yeah. So uh, for me, one thing that we've been doing for the last year and a half, two years now with my family is camping. So we know some people with an RV or fifth wheel. So we go to one of these big campgrounds and they usually have kind of like, you know, a big pool and playgrounds. And it's basically you do some, you know, you cook by the fire or, or, or us, we rent a cabin because we don't have an RV. And, you know, we cook dinner, we barbecue and the kids just kind of get on their bikes and they can just ride all over the place. Right. And they have kind of like that freedom. We feel relatively safe in, in the, in the area. And um, we, 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 we do it for about a week. It's relatively, it's probably the cost of maybe a Disney moderate room for, for a full cabin that has like two or three bedrooms and a full kitchen. Um, and we have a really great time. It's very relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we could talk about this at, with this. It's, it's, you know, you're not doing anything all day. You're deciding when do you want to go to the pool? When do you want to eat? What are you going to eat for dinner? And you just had good grocery shopping before you got there. And it's just relaxing. There's no itinerary. There's nothing. So there's relaxing. My second one is like a beach or a lake rental. Um, I used to do beach vacations all the time. But in Jersey, they're very, very expensive. Uh, but we, where we did a campground last summer was right near uh, Rehoboth Beach in Delaware. And it's a lot more affordable in that area. And again, it's you're at a location, but you have nothing to do other than feed yourself and sit around all day doing nothing type of thing. So I kind of like that finding the vacation in the vacation like we were talking about last December, right, Bill? Yep. Um, another one that I, I really like doing is a weekend at a water park type of thing. So there's a lot of like Great Wolf Lodges out there that I have not personally done. Uh, we have some very good friends that just went on their a trip over a four-day weekend. Uh, but we did one that was a water park and a campground all in one. So that was kind of cool. They, they had like a bunch of slides and stuff like that. We can kind of go down and just let the kids run around and you can sit by the bar, having a beer and the kids are completely occupied and you got your eye on them the whole time. So I kind of like those non Disney vacations. Um, these are more 
kind of vague kind of t- location type things. You have specific ones on your top three. Phil. Yeah. So I was looking at it as things that my family has done that a, I would recommend these places specifically, but I'm sure if you're living in a different part of the country or in a different country or something, there's probably similar things near where you are and kind of a general theme you'll, you'll hear through all these is kind of variety of activities and things for everyone in the family. So I won't belabor the first point. I put a non Disney cruise. (laughs) Obviously we had a really good time and you know, again, everything, you know, everything's for the family. Um, Everyone can find something they want to do on that. And you're kind of self-contained and all that sort of thing. Um, The second one is a place we've gone a few times, which is Williamsburg in Virginia. Um, There's, you know, Bush gardens is there, which is an excellent theme park. Um, It's, you know, put together as, you know, as well as a Disney theme park and stuff like that with some great rides, but there's also like colonial Williamsburg is there. There's just a lot of other things in the area. So again, you can have some great food. You can do something historical. You can go to a theme park. There's just a lot to do in that area. And similarly is my third one, which is the Finger Lake region of New York. We do that most years. We already have something booked for the summer this year. We really love it. It's great for us because it's only about a four-hour drive away, but it feels like a world away. Mm-hmm. Um, we started going there even before kids because there's a lot of good wineries in the area, and now there's breweries and distilleries and everything. But there's it's also an a, awesome area. Yeah, it's really awesome. But there's also a ton of outdoor things to do. We go hiking, we go biking, you know, things like that. There's a lot of good museums. There's the Corning Glass Museum, and there's places to go ice skating. And so, so again, there's just that huge variety of activities to do. Um, but I think there's probably a lot of, you know, similar areas in other, you know, Michigan has a good, you know, wine region or out West and stuff like that. So there's probably, you know, somewhere near where you are that there's something you can get away for a long weekend, have some things for the adults, some things for the kids and stuff like that. So those are three areas that I know my family likes to do. All right. So before we go on the DVC engagement, I want to tie everything together. Okay. And this is prob- this is me going through my own my own head and cost and vacations and and fighting the you know got to go to Disney this year type of kind of argument right um, obviously you just went on a non Disney vacation and you kind of remembered that a big vacation doesn't have to be a Disney vacation um, I'm I've got the cost of the Disney vacation that we just went on. And I'm saying, you know, to my wife and the family, we don't really need to go on a Disney vacation this year because we just splurged for a really big one. There's not much coming this year. Why don't we kind of go back to the every other year thing so you can kind of build up those memories? Not like, all right, this is the fourth time I've been to the Magic Kingdom in the space of eight months. Like we can we can hold off on it for a while. So my, my question is with. You know, we constantly talk about their construction and nothing major being added to the parks and the prices going up. You know, does that tear away from your desire to get back to the magic, so to speak? Or, you know, is is the situation at Disney kind of making you think of, you know, other locations in your head? Yeah, I, th- I guess maybe a little bit more of the latter. We don't have a Disney trip you know, scheduled for this year or or for, for whenever. Um, And it does kind of make you appreciate there are other things out there. You don't have to vacation at Disney. Um, But I do think also it highlights things that aren't, you know, things that are at Disney that aren't elsewhere. And it kind of makes you appreciate all the specific things that are special about Disney. Um, So I think that the next time we do go back, it'll, you know, those elements will hit harder. Um, So, you know, 
<laughs> we're still doing a Disney podcast. Like I'm still yes. you know, <laughs> constantly like researching Disney and staying up on the news. I love Disney, you know, going to be watching tons of Disney plus and stuff like that. So I'm, this isn't like an anti Disney take. I think there's a, this is not it. like our last episode. Yeah, right? I know. I don't, I don't want to tell anything. <laughs> um, but I think it just, it, it lets you appreciate, you know, that there are things outside of Disney, but there are some things that are very special to Disney yes. and that only have found at Disney. And I think you can appreciate them even more sometimes if, if maybe you take a little bit of a break or do something else. I think it's important. Um, you know, if you hold Disney on a pedestal, right? And that's usually people that aren't locals or aren't DVC members, right? Um, where maybe you go, you know, every two years, every three years, every four years, that if you start going, for me, like, I don't think I've had, I've never had two Disney trips that close together that weren't just like, you know, a day in the park somewhere. And, you know, it's, it's that question of like, if you move to Orlando and you, now you become from somebody that lives in the Northeast to living in Orlando and you have an annual pass and you can go to the parks whenever you want, do you lose something? Because that's a discussion almost every podcast has had or, or, or what with locals. Yeah. So, you know, me coming off of two big trips, I, I'm thinking to myself, like, would I like to go down and let's say in May or, or, or June to kind of see some of the new fireworks shows? I'm like, yeah, I would love to go. But I'm like, Okay, with the cost of everything, is it worth my time and money to go down versus doing other things during the summer? And um, I, I think the cost of everything it always comes down to cost. I think the cost of the parks these days is having me question, you know, my desire or my fandom or whatever. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go in the next six months. Am I still a Disney fan? Of course, I'm still a Disney fan, but like, it's unfortunate that. The costs have skyrocketed so much that you're forced to to do that. So that that my my my, my whole point to the conversation with the top three and the hour takes is you don't have to feel guilty about considering other <laughs> locations. Like you're not you don't have to hand in your Disney fan card because you're going on a non Disney cruise or you're spending a week at um you know the Finger Lakes or going camping or going to the beach or you know in, in going to some kind of you know, other area that's not a Disney park. So you don't have to feel guilty about like, because it's going off of what were, what was it on your thing? It was your overrated, right? Uh, we always go to Disney, right? Like people preface always have to go to Disney. I have to get that nostalgia hit. You know, you're chasing the dragons, so to speak, but things that we've talked about before on the show, you can feel comfortable about not going to Disney. I, I don't know who needs a therapy session. Maybe <laughs> I just need a therapy. I don't know. But I, but I see this on like some of the broader message boards where you get not just a, a very small collection of uh, a community, but like, you know, there's a couple of me message boards and subreddits out there where it's tens of thousands of people coming in and talking about this, that, and the other. And it's just like, you know what? If you've been to Disney in the last year or two, you don't have to go back this year. Um, you don't have to feel guilty about it if you can't either afford it or you've already gone or you don't, you know, your spouse doesn't want to go or anything, anything that comes up that might change your opinion. There's other things to do and you don't have to hand in, um, your fan card. Like I said, um, all right. So we are towards the end of the show, but I wanted to get this in because I've yep. been waiting two weeks to talk to you about this <laughs> film. So our DBC engagement from two weeks ago was would you put another castle in magic kingdom if the main focus was a, uh, a villain's land like we talked about in the uh, the blue sky event from d23 last yep. year um so i have two questions for you phil because you you were uh chomping at the bit to answer these so the first question is would you add another can uh, castle simply yes or no 
and I'm talking to something of scale, right? We're not talking about uh, Beast Castle, the Magic Kingdom tucked away. That's kind of like a little stick on the on above, right? It's an yep. actual castle um, or fortress or something, some a, a very big thing, right? Yep. Um, and then, how would that you think affect the uh, the flow of the parks and the balance of it? So let's 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 go over that. First question, Phil: Would you add one to the parks? Yes or no? Magic. If they're doing a, a villain's land and it's a substantial land, I would absolutely have a castle or a fortress or whatever be part of it for sure. How define substantial to me? Is that like five attractions, two attractions? Well, it's obviously not two attractions, but five attractions. Is there a threshold in your mind? Oh, for the, for the for the whole land? Yeah. For the villain's area, yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, something comparable to one of the lands in, in Magic Kingdom. So it's not like a you know, something with two attractions or something like that. It's like the size of Adventureland or the size of Tomorrowland or something like that. So it's got to be big. Okay. Um, okay. So it, for me personally, I would definitely add it. I think adding more stuff to that. I mean, they had, um, I don't remember when the original plans were. There was supposed to be a big uh, volcano type area at Magic Kingdom kind of behind Jungle Cruise area yeah. type of thing. I think a park with two large centers of gravity would be really cool. And um, so my question to you, Phil, is if we have the land, let's say you cut Rivers of America kind of in half and then you just kind of spill the whole land over. So you have yeah. basically the same square footage of Fantasyland and New Fantasyland back there. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of tucked away in the corner. Um, how do you think that affects the flow of the park? I mean, obviously, everybody's going to go back there because it's new. So let's yeah. let's assume that it's year old at this point and it's starting to kind of, you know, get some tread on it. How does that affect the balance of the park? in your, your mind? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, you definitely need more than one way to get to it. <laughs> I think, you know, if you're going behind the rivers of America, you at least need to get there from both directions. And I would hope, and I, I've talked about this, like, I hope Disney thinks big. And, you know, what's a great thing about Epcot is that there's two entrances to Epcot. Have a new entrance into Magic Kingdom that goes right into that villain's land and maybe even put a hotel out there. I mean, how cool would that be to have sort of a villain's themed hotel that overlooked magic kingdom from that far side um, and had, you know, maybe it's, you know, right. The entrance right there into the park, maybe have a monorail stop there. I don't know, but like think big, like think that this is a, it's not a fifth gate, but it's almost like on that scale um, where you have it. It's almost like a, a little bit of a separate area, um, but that you can get there a couple different ways. And I, I do think it would have to feel a little separate though. I mean, it's not going to be as, incorporated but i think there's a way to do it well where it's there it's kind of in the distance it's not too hard to get to but it does kind of have its own thing going on it has its own gravitational pull like you said so i i i'm i'm agreeing with the entrances it would it, i don't think it has to have its own main entrance but it'd be awesome if it did maybe you could tie that into like a star cruiser type of experience but that's not going very well so you <laughs> might be steering away from that type of um product but i think you have to have an entrance behind big thunder mountain i think you have to have another entrance right around where haunted mansion is ish yep. right and then i think you have to have another entrance kind of back by um gaston's tavern and that kind of area so you, you got to have i think you have to have three entrances in the parks that you could get to and uh, so you're not walking in one area and have to walk all the way around to get to something on the other side or, or vice versa, right? So you can come through the center of the park to hit what you want. I always think Star Wars Galaxy's Edge needs to have – should have had one more entrance somewhere. But obviously with the construction of that, it, it couldn't do that. Um, 
I don't think we'll ever get another main entrance just because of the infrastructure required to have that over there. You need all those extra parking lots and um, space for buses and highways and stuff like that. I don't think they're willing to really construct all that extra green green space away for you know concrete and in in, um, in roads and stuff like that. So I think that would be something that would be awesome, but I don't think they're willing to put the infrastructure in for that. Um, as far as you know. The flow of the parks, I, I think you have to have it closer. I think it I think it can't be in the distance. I think they should design it so it looms over everything almost. Like that dark shadow that's always out of yeah. the corner of your eye. I mean, you, that would be a really awesome addition to Adventureland if you can kind of see it because it's dark and foreboding. Um, it'll have a great, I think, um, comparison in Fantasyland because in Fantasyland, in any, any of those movies, you have the Shining Knight and you've got the dragon, right? So, I mean, you have the dark and the light, the good and the evil in any fantasy kind of story. So I think that really fits in. It's not going to take away from, you know, the castle or anything else like that because there's always the yin and the yang in those fantasy things. The only thing that would be interesting in how they would hide it, I guess, is if you're in Liberty Square because that really doesn't mesh well. They have, you know, everything's kind of nice and hidden. Uh, away from your sight lines when you're in right around um, Haunted Mansion, that type of thing. So it'd be interesting to see if they can kind of, from that perspective, like block it off and you have like winding paths back there and it kind of opens up. I think that would be kind of neat. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, Phil, do you want to go over what some of the other folks have been saying on just sure. what their ideas were? Yeah, I think a lot were, you know, similar to ours, you know, but so I'll try to hit on some of the unique elements they said. Um, you know, Finn Whitman was similar that they, he, they felt that there should be, you know, a castle, although they mentioned it shouldn't necessarily disrupt Cinderella's castle as the primary landmark, you know, so it shouldn't be quite as big as Cinderella's. Um, and then mentioned, you know, who should it be themed after? Uh, Maleficent Castle is, is one they recommend, which is one thing, definitely the first first thought my, my mind goes to. I think that would have a really cool sort of counter look towards Cinderella's mm-hmm. castle. Um, but they also mentioned the Horn King's Castle from the Black Cauldron. Um, or something related, uh, if we're not doing a castle, do Bald Mountain from Fantasia, which would be a really interesting look, um, oh, or doing yeah. um, the evil stepmother's cottage from Cinderella. So, mm. so I think it has to be big. I think it's big. But yeah, I mean, I, I like all their good ideas. And, and Finn Whitman also said that there's you know other entrances exactly yeah, where yeah, I'm yeah. thinking of them exactly too, for sure. Uh, Mama Six, uh, I think had, had similar ideas, but they you know mentioned specifically about the night uh, time show, ha- you know, seeing happily ever after. Um, similar thoughts to what I had before was like be- make it so that it's viewable from the villains area. You know, my idea was even do projections onto this other castle as well. Um, spread those but it could out. help spread spread out the crowds, and if it, it has a different look to it. You know, now maybe people are like, well, I'll go to Magic Kingdom two evenings because I'll want to see it once from Main Street and once from the villains area. Um, again, wanting to have at least two areas, you know, one coming near Castan's Tavern and the other one um, and through Frontierland. Um, and they, they had a good idea that if you do it coming from Gaston's Tavern, it would be an opportunity to have like sort of a haunted woods area that oh, you're going yeah. through to get to it. That's a good idea. So I think, you know, kind of like what was in the movie from Beauty and the Beast where they went through the woods and stuff like that. I think that could be a good good idea and kind of give you that little bit of a buffer uh, between mm. the areas, so I thought that was a that was a good idea. I think whatever they do back there, they need to have a big draw from like a, as a monument, so to speak. Yeah, <clears throat> but they would be losing an opportunity to figure out a way to draw crowds away from Main Street and into Villains Land for the nighttime show. I think whatever they do back there, it's a must because 
if you're over in that area, it's going to be a far walk to get back to the main street, essentially, because you're out of the hub at this point, right? Yeah. You're beyond the hub. And I think I think they need to do something to break up the mob of people that are on Main Street all the way up to the castle. And I think if they make a compelling show or another, um, you know, projection show or a different van, whatever it might be, I think they'd be remiss to kind of ignore that and keep for because they're they're adding. 10,000 people worth of capacity. There's just going to be that many more people yeah, in the Magic that, Kingdom. That's exactly where my men went, whether it's just the villain's land or if they're also going to do the Coco and Encanto, like you can't add 20% capacity, which is what they would want if they're building these new areas, spending all that money and then expect all the same, you know, to fit into the same spot in front of main street in front of Cinderella's castle. You gotta. So hopefully that's a big thing when they design this, it's, how do we spread the crowds out from the nighttime? Even if that means now we have more areas for dessert parties and more areas for dining packages and stuff Absolutely. like that. So they make more money off it. That's great. But you got to spread the crowds out for sure. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Okay. So we're going to end the show here. But first, I want to say next week's DBC engagement um, is going to be basically what we talked about uh, on the show. It says, how does Disney's nostalgic magic endured or changed over the last five years? And if you have to exchange, uh, expand five years to 10 or five years to two for whatever, <laughs> whatever <laughs> is going through your head, don't stick with five. Um, is there anything different? Are things lacking or did something drop off in one area but picked up in the area? So anything that's specifically changed that's affected that nostalgia magic? I'm not saying like they removed the trams at DHS, so obviously the magic's dead. Right? Like, <laughs> I don't need something kind of arbitrary that's concrete and brick and mortar. I'm thinking what are the things that kind of add that magic? The magic is, is not tangible, right? So, you know, it, I'm looking at more of that versus like there's not enough rides or there's too many rides or I love the new show. It added more magic. Right. So that's kind of, you know, it has to be more. I asked for something specific, but I'm talking about things that are untangible. So I don't know if that, that makes sense. Anyway, <laughs> um, have things specifically gotten stronger. Right. You have even more magic. Maybe it's as simply as, you know, five years ago you were single and now you're married with uh, a, the child and you're going to the Disney world for the first time. Maybe it's that maybe the magic of the next generation is what makes it stronger for you. I would love to hear these stories, right? They don't have to be specific things they, or they could, you know, what, what, I, you know, whatever floats your boat, whatever, whatever changes it for you. I want to hear it though. I, I, I'd love, I would love to hear a collection of stories of has your Disney fandom gone, grown stronger? Has it weakened? Has it stayed the same or is it just different in a certain way? And, and I'd like to hear, um, your guys' stories on that. But um, that being said, Phil, welcome back. Thank you. To the land. We're all out of the sea. And uh, next week we'll be doing a show. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I want to see more stories. So, guys, fill us in with that. That being said, have a good night, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. Take care, everyone. <laughs>